Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. In some ways, it's a hidden treasure. It's like a door that's been hidden by vines and weather and wear that those that are busy moving too far and too fast might miss, even though it's right before them. But for the few, the thirsty, there is a door and there is a narrow gate that leads to a path that's intended to help shepherd us in recovering treasures, treasures lost, treasures stolen, treasures yielded. And those treasures are part of a recovery of everything that God meant when he meant us. I was thinking as I was recording this of the quote from Samwise Ganji in Lord of the Rings, where he says, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. I know now folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Friends, I believe there is some good in this world, and it is worth fighting for. And even more importantly, it's worth risking receiving that good, responding to a father that has perhaps orchestrated this very moment. You have stumbled upon a bootleg. I remember the bootleg from high school, these illegally taped recordings from the back of concerts that we loved, but we couldn't afford the tickets. This is a bootleg recording of the Become Good Soil 2019 intensive. It's never yet been released. It's raw, it's unfiltered, it's unedited, and it's intended for the few. And that's why you have found it. And so friends near and far, welcome. Welcome to this recording. There are some parts you'll have to push through because the audio recording is that of a bootleg, but the heart is to welcome you in behind the scenes, behind the curtain, to allow this series of audio recordings to let your heart just pull back from the front lines, even 50 yards, to breathe a little deeper, to rest a little more, to receive love, to become curious, to be trained and immense in the reality of God and his kingdom. And so we welcome you to this recording, to this bootleg, raw and unfiltered. We bless you as a part of a growing fellowship. And I say on behalf of our team, you are welcome here. You've come to the right place. Let's dive in. I know there's a lot set against this, but you are among the few. And here's the risk. There are two safe places two safe seats to set your soul in for these four days. And the first is the seat of being a son. You know this. 
you know this in part, as I know it in part, and the invitation is over these days to receive it in more of its fullness, to receive what McDonald says, since we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. And to stay in that seat, because there are so many identities, assaults against your true identity that will threaten that. And in a company of men like this, everything from the extreme of kind of the pride of, I need to man up. This is a, you know, these are world changers, right? And then there's just this pressure to the other extreme of diminishment of, oh man, I, I, I'm the exception. I'm the exception. Those, those things come against all of us. All these other assaults and insinuations, maybe not overt, but covert. But what would it be like to come into this experience as a son? As a son. Say, so whatever else is true, I choose to stay in the seat of sonship. And the second I invite you to consider for the framework of this entire venture is the posture of the apprentice the beginner's mind, that we come with curiosity, that we come as students. When the son is ready, the father appears. When the student is ready, surely the teacher will appear. But will we all choose to agree and say, I come as a student. I come wanting more. I just love when Jesus, uh, the great commission in Matthew 28, Peterson's translation, Jesus, it says, was undeterred and went right ahead. And in this charge, he said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. So he's speaking to his 12, to his men. And he said, this is what he commanded me. He said, go out and train. Train everyone you meet in this way of life. Immersing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, train them and immerse them in the life of God in his kingdom. I will be with you as you do this day after day until the very end. The posture was one of go and be a student. Be a student. So we come as peers. And, and part of I just want to invite you to um, just breathe and receive that blessing. Receive that blessing. We have common ground, a commonality. When do you get to share with a fellowship of men who have suffered? We know you've suffered. We've read your applications and are still looking for more. Who are in a similar stage of life as young kings. There's other things we share in common that go with uh, the nature of the season. And uh, I, I think a film clip would be helpful, um, it's better to work. So here's what we share as well. the best Christmas ever. Really? Babe, I had a smile on my face from the moment I woke up. Ah, 
kidding. I think I was more excited than the kids. Yeah, I know. Honestly. I was the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like their presents, right? Dana loves her playhouse. <laughs> You weren't up too late building it, were you? <laughs> My family didn't ruin your day, did they? No. I know that we hosted this year. Mary, traffic was awful. journey there's something that happens that that captures mythically right it, your version may look a little different um i drink whiskey and beer instead of wine when i'm hiding from my wife um, but there's these shifts and when a young man passes um into kind of a young manhood he's forming a mask Right, a way to self-protect the world. He's growing to kind of fill that mask. And a lot of his world is exclamation points, right? I have 14, 15-year-olds in my house all the time now. I have teenagers. And their whole world, uh, there's just exclamation points. They, they're, they, they're right about everything. And they get more right, right? And, and then something shifts. And, and there's some shift, I think, that you can name, like, my life matters to other people. Now, your life always matters to other people, but something happens. Often it's triggered by a marriage or children or a kingship that you step into, either by choice or something put on you. But there's a sobriety of what just happened. Right? Your choices have consequences. And those exclamation points start turning into question marks because things start going sideways. You know this, where the margin evaporates and sloppy living, you can't get away with it, right? Whatever your version is, 
you can't hide. You can get back to trampoline and suck down the smoke, you know, and have a, a couple glasses of wine for a while. For a while. And then the kids notice how many beer cans disappear or how many are in the fridge. And you put one in the recycling bin instead of the main garbage in the kitchen. Because then they're spread out. I don't know if you guys know that. Right? Your life matters to other people. There's consequences. Part of life is behind you. I remember when this started shifting for me. And one things like professional athletes were younger than me. So when, when did they get so young? Like, what are you talking about? They were the old heroes, and now they're younger than me. I remember I, my head was hurting one day after being outside, and I was like, man, what's happening? And I was like, I, I sunburned my head. Because my hair started disappearing. It shifts. It shifts. Um, I remember when my a buddy, younger buddy, came to pick up some bunk beds from my house. And I won't mention his name. This might be embarrassing. But he pulled up in the minivan. And he opens the door. And there's Costco groceries everywhere. Multiple car seats and a dirty diaper that rolled out <laughs> onto my driveway. And he's trying to shove these bunk beds in the car because there isn't time to unload the Costco and get rid of the car seats or heaven for heaven's sakes like borrow a truck right no he's bringing the man van and it was beautiful because I was just a few years ahead of him just going oh I remember when I got these things no, Jim I got it from Jim I gave him cold <laughs> right start shifting I remember seeing her in the airport. I took this picture. It's a little creepy, but I had to because she was there with a full-size pillow. And I never noticed her before I had kids. But here I am with like all this stuff and gear. And I'm like, who has the luxury to like bring a pillow on a trip? Like my life is no longer about me at all. Right? I'm the last guy in line to get something, whether it's money or time. Remember one mentor said it felt like just getting on a roller coaster. And all I could do was hold on, just reacting, reacting. Right? There isn't time to be intentional or forward thinking. It's just reaction. There's a shift that happens. Craig used to quote the matador. <laughs> he said, there are many people who think they want to be matadors. Oh, it's just that first picture. They want to be matadors only to find themselves in the ring with a 2,000-pound bull bearing down on them. And then they discover what they really wanted was to wear tight pants and hear the roar of the crowd. <laughs> right? That's what you really want. The applause, right? They go, whoa, really? What's it like? What's it like? Right? They want to be until you step into the arena. Yeah, that's a real picture right there. Yeah, you want to be a matador? Okay, fucker. <laughs> How's that working for you? Yes. Right? It, uh, it shrinks, and, and we react. We react, and there's something in our nature that takes on very different expressions, but the heartbeat is the same. And John helped me name this. It's, it's we go building, and it takes different versions, but it's something like making a name for ourselves, making a little money. Getting something going, just something, getting it going. A team, career, community, something, right? Here's what's so important, you guys, is that desire is really good. 
deep in there, below the expression of it, the desire is holy. We were meant to build. We were meant to be powerful. It was our first job description. It was the command that was meant to give us light. Right? Way back in the story in Genesis, the first command, God said, let us make man in our image. And so the image of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God created us. And he said, may they rule, may they have dominion over the mountains, over the weather, the birds, the fish. Have dominion. John wrote about it in Waking the Dead just masterfully when he says um, this ruling. He, he, he mined the Hebrew scholar Robert Al Alder, and it said that to ruling means something like a fierce mastery. That it's like um, governing, like um, kings and queens ruling a kingdom, like a foreman on a ranch or a skipper for a ship. We were meant to rule. We were meant to have a say, and we all have a kingdom. We're all kings. And I know that you know some of this from the content. Hopefully, none of the content will be new this weekend. But because of the spiritual environment, we get to go deeper. We get to go after the more in every category. But you have a kingdom. It begins with yourself, with your spirit, your body, your mind, your will, your imagination. It's where you have said. You got to choose to be here. Joshua, my son, is a buddy, little teenager now. And uh, when this all started, he was a little guy. Um, and I remember his first Halloween where he's old enough to figure, figure out what was all going on. I said, what do you want to be when you grow up or <clears throat> for Halloween? He said, Daddy, I want to be a hazmat fire rescue fighter. I said, that's really cool. I have no idea what that means. That combines like six things that I know we talked about, but let's do it. And, and so we cut off mom's garden hose and put on his climbing harness and got out headlamps. And, and uh, he, he was, he, he's powerful. He knows it. He knows it, right? Then it was Roman day at school. And, and he knows, well, I'm going to be a gladiator. So he comes into school and we made him armor. And uh, he had a helmet. And, and what we didn't kind of think through, it's his classical education school, and most of them came as plebeians with white bed sheets and wreaths around their head. And so Josh Luke steps out of my truck, and, and it's like it parts. And, and you could just see something, and he's like, I don't know what's happening, but this is really good. I, I, need, to, I need to wear this more often. Right? It's meant to be powerful. So a couple years ago, he, or probably a year and a half, he, he got a cell phone, and it was a big part of his initiation, and and the front end of his vision quest, and, and I was just sad. I was, I was feeling sorrow, but I knew it was time. And I, I, I asked God, like, what's the sorrow? And what I realized was it was the first time his kingdom was expanding beyond the realm of my kingdom. You can see we, we were in a school without buses, and so we drive our kids or carpool, and he doesn't have a license, so he's under me, he's in me, right? And that cell phone is now this expanse of, he can reach people and things that I don't have say. Now, spiritually, he's still under my authority, but I could feel the sorrow of his expanding kingdom, and he was stoked, but he had no idea of what that gives him access to. 
We have an expanding kingdom. We were meant to be powerful. Do you see that desire reveals the design, and the design reveals our destiny. And friends, what I want to begin the intensive with is to name to your soul that desire is good, it's holy, it's right, and it's from God. But in order to restore it, we must begin with the question of what's happened? What's gone wrong? Why do we end up like Matt Damon? Best Christmas ever, honey, right? Level one. That guy hasn't been counseled, right? You can stay there for all. Yeah, just deny it. Deny it to her, deny it to yourself. That works for a while. What's gone wrong? The question I appreciate is when God comes looking for Adam and says, where are you? If you walk in this gospel over at some heart, you'll know that that's not a, um, there's not an accusatory voice. We believe strongly. That's the father saying, son, where did you go? Where did you go? He knows where Adam is physically. But there's an invitation, a calling back, saying he wants Adam to know where Adam is. And the Gallander says three of the most critical questions the human experience. Where are you from? Where are you? And where are you going? You can come to peace and union with God on those three questions. It will serve you well. Where are you? What's gone wrong? Boy, when we look in the world and the news, the media, you can tell it's not kings ruling over kingdoms well. Right? Think of this. The, when this all started, you know, each year I, I give, uh, you know, present stories, Tiger Woods and Lance Armstrong or some of the guys back then. But back in the day, even, it wasn't like the mainstream story of men blowing up kingdoms. It was always present, but not the mainstream media every day. But friends, a decade later, we're in different times. These are very difficult times to be a man in the world. There's much confusion on what it means to be a man. Much uncertainty because of the hatred against masculinity. And there's great movement to just Shut it down. But you know the gospel. That'll never work. It just goes underground. But there is an invitation to see it restored. But you see the stories. Now, I grew up as an altar boy in Catholic church. And, you know, you read the news. It was 375 priests in Illinois just this past week. It came out. And the first story to break was 300 um, clergy in Pennsylvania. And that was our parish. I looked at the list because I knew. I knew McKenna. I knew um, two of the three priests I served under. I knew they'd be on that list of 300, and sure as, sure as hell, they were on. Mm -hmm. One of the nuns in that crisis, I really appreciate She was interviewed, and here was her quote. She said, the Vatican is a world of men. Some of them are truly men of God. Some of them are. Others have been ruined by power. Ruined by power. And it's not the Vatican. It's not just the Vatican. Right? It's the war against masculinity corporately. And you see the megachurches. And we grew up when we were little, the movement of megachurches. And one by one, it's just being dismantled. Too much power with too little wholeheartedness. It's just simply too much power to give to a man. And you see them falling. In our neighborhood, it was Ted Haggard. 
Most recently, it's Bill Hybels. At 67, he's supposed to be a guide here, an elder at the gates. Instead, he leaves disgrace. You see them, the megachurches, they're just not holding up. And it's not just in, in religious expressions. But you see the scandal, of, uh, the, most, the most recent, the, the academic scandal, right? SAT and ACT cheating, and then these D1 scholarships, 50 people, um, all in this scheme. Right? The quote is interesting. New York Times has said, wealthy families cheating their way to higher privilege. The wealthy trying to get wealthier. One of the coaches I read, D1 women's coach, offered 400 grand cash to put a young woman on the roster for the practice squad. So all that happens is they put 400K in his pocket to just act like she's on the team. These teams have practice squads that never see the field. So it's actually easy to do. Could you imagine the temptation when you're making, you know, 98,000 and it's twice as much as most of the coaches are making around you and they'll put 400K in your pocket just to put some privileged girl on the roster, and then it all blows up. But it's not just corporate. It's easy to look at the Vatican. It's easy to look at New York Times. What's a lot holier is to look at self and to look at your story. Look at me, right? Last uh, week, I was at a pretty low place, and I just wanted to be known by Sherry. And so I said, hey, Sherry, can you go upstairs? I just want 10 minutes to... Um, to just get current with you. And she went upstairs and we sat down and she was like stiff as a board. And I said, you look bristly. What, what's going on? She said, well, I'm waiting for you to tell me what I should do that I didn't or what I didn't do that I should. And she just had this glassy look. I was like, shit. Why in the atmosphere of my, my marriage that I asked my wife to talk and the first thing she goes to is, what did I do this time to disappoint him? I asked Abigail two weeks ago. I had to apologize because I blew it at a volleyball game. I, it was my first. She's never done organized sports, and I've never parented an 11-year-old girl in organized sports. And I was cheering, and for whatever reason, it didn't look like I cared enough. And um, so I had to own it because that was my impact. And so I said, Abigail, can we, can we talk? I'd like to speak with you. And she sat down and she said, what am I in trouble for? Well, you guys, like the number of times I sit down with her to communicate delight again and again and again for the primary message to be, I delight in you. And there's nothing you can do to withdraw that I will choose to withdraw my delight. And yet, that's the impact. There, there is a war, and it's, it's deeply personal. This question is, is, Adam, where are you? Joshua, where are you? How is your kingdom? It's not critical. It's not condescending. It's actually a father saying, because I care. I really do care. I'm contending for you, and you're a good king. But what if there is a path? What if that we're all unfinished and there is a narrow road that leads to light? And what if it's always been so? What if the disruption is meant to revive us and disrupt us and entice us 
to take a journey to become the kind of king that actually the Father intends, and he's absolutely delighted to provide the resources for it. My um, pain and longing is where some of this was born out of. Came to Christ and a believer, but was uninitiated. It was a boy inside. Moved west and met John, and uh, by God's grace, he was my professor in the program. I was 22, and I remember coming to him, just you know, just spitting vinegar. Let's save the world. And he gave me permission to do something that no one else ever even said was possible. 22, he said, "What if you gave yourself permission to be young? To be young." see most of us, if not all in this room, have become kings far too early, far too quick, much of it out of our own choosing, out of a deeper, deep pride to answer our question, some of it out of older boys in men's bodies, uninitiated kings themselves that need to build their kingdom. Secular Christian matters not. Older men that see you're very useful. Your fathers care more about your heart than your gifting. But uninitiated kings put you to work because they need to build their kingdom. So we find ourselves kings too early. And I received that permission to be young. I didn't know how to do that. Bumping around on the frontier of my masculine initiation. And I turned 25. And remember I came to John again and I pitched this vision. I had this vision for this program to co-op training the premier warrior force for the kingdom of God. One to go after young men. John was gracious and kind. And, and he pointed me towards Francis Schaeffer, the Lord's work and the Lord's way. It talks about a way to become. And it talked about the lowest seat. Take the lowest seat at the table, following the way of Jesus. That sucked. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. But something in my soul knew by that time, no, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. I don't want to waste my pay. 25 in time turned to 30. And on some ways, I was in my initiation. Some ways, I was partnering with it. Some ways, I was consenting, taking a lower seat. Some ways, I was giving myself permission to be young and the throes of middle management. But if I was honest, at 30, there was, a dis- there was a dissonance between above the waterline and below the waterline. You guys know the iceberg? Right? It's fascinating that the iceberg that always, every iceberg has this quality in common. 10% above and 90% below. That's actually the physics of it. And there's no correlation between what's above the waterline and what's below the waterline. It's very helpful information. It shows us that what we see, you know, best Christmas ever, right? Um, honey, I love your parents. <laughs> I love my mom. Um, and yet below there's motives, motives surfacing. If we're honest, if we're willing to go there, and the motives are expressions of core beliefs that aren't our creedal statements. It's not your doctrine. It's not your statement of faith. It's what you really believe. And Dallas says actions reveal beliefs 100% of the time. So in time and over time, they'll show you really what's going on. And at 30, I was pissed. 
I had a beautiful wife and two kids, meaningful work, started retirement, got a paycheck every two weeks. But I was just unhappy. And I asked God, like, what's the path, God? I, I, I now am just one big question mark with a mortgage. That's who I am. Enemy. What's the path? And he wouldn't speak. And in those days, it was two weeks, which felt like eternity. Now, that's a very short amount of time. But for two weeks, I asked every day, and he wouldn't say anything. And then I just sunk in. I'm staying with this, staying with this. And after two weeks, I finally really started listening. And he said, well, I want to speak with you. But I want to speak through older men. I want to speak through older men. So I want you to make a list of the oldest men you know that you respect. And ask them. Write a letter. Say, what's the 30s about? What's this decade about? What do you do when stuff goes sideways? And you have no margin. And you're pissed. And... You look in the mirror and you don't like that guy. The world's cheering you on and you love God, but then you find this reaction in different areas and, and you have a divided heart. And so I started meeting with these men, some face-to-face and some in phone calls and some in correspondence. And over time, it became about 75 men. And I found, guys, was a recovery of a treasure what I found was nothing new but newly recovered. I thought it was always new. The world's always trying to reinvent new. But it was Jeremiah 6.16 that says, stand at the crossroads and look and ask. Ask where the ancient road is, the tried and true road. And it's there you'll find rest for your soul. And these guys, their council like, started making this map that had these universal themes and these truths that were all embedded in Scripture, but I had yet eyes to see and a heart willing to receive it. And so Aaron and I would get together and we'd just get on the bike and spin and, and just take out all our frustration on the bike and we'd swap stories about all of our other peers just getting banged up. And we we talk about like this town. I'd say, well, you know, this, this guy talk, told me Vance about desire and fulfillment. He said, guys get desire and they chase after it. And then they get taken out, and then they come to all these conclusions about their desire. And say, that couldn't have been from God. But the desire was meant to be the fuel for the process of becoming. That that desire that you were made for is meant to be the actual energy to say, I'm willing. I, it's worth it to go through the process of becoming so that I can become the kind of man that can handle that call, both in this life and the next. And we talk about back and forth, and finally he was like, buddy, like you're, you're sitting on something. Like we got we gotta do something with this. And I said, yeah, it's low as seat. It's you know, it's I'm doing nothing but eating the shit's animals. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't advice with that, you know. But in time we felt like, well, we're at least going to get our friends to share this. And so we got pizza and beers, and we sat and Aaron just reminded me today, it's 13 years ago. We started reading letter after letter together. And we start looking at each other, and we could just feel like the father's celebration. Like, I've been looking for you. I've been helping you try to recover this. I've been knocking. We just haven't had ears to hear. The years went by, and, and finally God made it impossible to not get a group of guys and say, we want this more than anything. So we got 12 guys and went to Bart's Ranch, the Globe and Anchor, and we sat in Crazy Creek holding camp chairs in his living room, and Craig and Bart led us. And we went through the council, and we 
put our exclamation points aside and picked up our question marks courageously and proudly and said, yeah, we're young, uninitiated kings and we want to become good kings. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want that story told at my funeral. And so we began a process and God, over time, did something wild where we went to Bards for a couple of years and then we just kept interacting with peers out there. And we thought, what if we got them together and we actually got the guides in the room? We actually started putting these men together. And here, 10 years later, with two intensives in Australia, 10 intensives later, you've come to a really sacred circle. This is a holy place. And I share in the awe of being invited into it because you're among kings, elder kings and young kings, but all men who know on some level that we are kings in God's kingdom. And we're willing to risk the curiosity of what if there's a different path, a narrow road that few find that leads to life. In this room, there's a couple kind of subgroups of people, and we have the Ransom Heart team. And then, guys, we have 48 facilitators that have chosen to volunteer for you because they've found the treasure. They've recovered it. They don't want to waste their pain. And they want you to get the privilege to stand on their shoulders. I love, they said, Churchill, Winston Churchill. There was no man that became more of what he didn't have as it related to being a father. He became more of what he never had. The brilliance of the gospel is through Christ and the Father's initiation, we get to become what we didn't have. And the next generation is different. So here are just some things about that for you participants. They've suffered and they've kept heart. That's what sets them apart. They've invited God to restore what they've lost. They've lost sons. They've lost daughters. They've lost marriages. They've lost fortunes and companies and careers. Been in prison. Forced to resign. Walked away from fortunes. Risked safety. They've battled depression, addictions, drug, alcohol, fought cancer. Some of them are fighting cancer today. Bankruptcy, unemployment, lost churches, abandoned, disabled, lost lifelong friendships, lost their integrity, and gotten it back. Gotten it back. There are all sorts of careers represented in this room. That's what's so cool. It's not about the outside expression. They all have warrior shepherd hearts. They've chosen the ancient path. They're good kings and good sages and trustworthy guides. They're men in process. They're men that have admit they haven't figured it all out and don't want to be put on a pedestal. But they're men that are seeking exactly what you're seeking. They want the more, and that's why they're here. They have mentors. It's really important. 
They're still asking questions. First to admit they don't have it figured together, but their hearts are open. And that's the key, you guys. Their hearts are open. And, and to land with a place like Hebrews says, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith. All these guys were very unique, but this is what they shared in common. None of them received the whole promise. None of them. That's crazy. That the one thing those men in the hall of fame of the faith have in common is that they didn't receive the reward. But here's the next piece. But they were looking off into the next country. They were transients in this world. Right? Like St. Francis says, to wear the world like a loose-fitting garment where it touches you in a few places in their life. They were men who could love well in this world because they were living for a different kingdom. That's the heart of these men. There's hope. There's promise. The impossible possible is available. That's why you're here. Because you're a contender and you've said yes. And the Father's fighting for you. And he's orchestrated this. Down to the man. Down to the man. Um, I wanted. I want to ask a couple guys to come up. If John, JD, Alex, Aaron, Pablo, you guys have mic. You have a microphone. You guys have mic. Okay. So these guys, I'd love you to pop in a chair for a minute and uh, and just respond. So these guys are some of the early guys. Some of the men I love. Alex and JD and Aaron were the very first contentious with Bart's and. Uh, been in this ever since. Pablo joined us shortly thereafter as one of the apprentice facilitators. And I just wanted to grab a few of these guys. There's a lot of interaction at the intensive. Yeah, a lot of interaction at the intensive. A lot of conversation, dialogue. So, um, starting with you four. Then and now. Respond to that. Like, you were there. And what do you think? I had hair and I was pissed. <laughs> you did have hair. You had great hair. What happened? And you were pissed. And what do you mean you were pissed? Um, I didn't come here to be asked to consent to that process you're describing. Mm -hmm. I came here to get the tips and the techniques that I thought I needed to get ahead and catch up with everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I catch up. Yes. Um, and when I realized right there during the first session that I wasn't getting that, I felt disappointed and angry um, because I wanted that. I, I, everyone else had these beautiful kingdoms and this life that seems to be awesome. And I'm the one who doesn't. And I don't know what I need to do to get there. Um, and I thought that this was the answer to that. And, and it was, but in a different way. <laughs> um, after that, um, I think referring to Hebrews, what you're describing more than I haven't gotten what I thought was the promise, in a sense. Not the kingdom as I imagined it, not the bank account as I imagined it, not the fulfillment of those desires as, as I imagined them. But through the journey, I have received something that is way greater, which is joy, which is peace, which is a smiling wife that tells me that she loves the man that I am becoming more and more, not fully there. 
and we have our I messed up with it, but for more and more she smiles at me and she knows that I know what her smile means. And I have two sons that um, I can say more and more by day and by decade are receiving from me love instead of pressure and um, and it's worth it. It's worth every second. Yeah, more um, similar to Pablo when I came into it, that first one at, at Bart's Ranch when we sat down and unpacked all this stuff. Um, I was a bit incredulous. Um, you know, I, the way you framed it there was this invitation of, guys, what if what if it's not about building your kingdom? You kind of expressed that some tonight, but idea was, what if it's not about building a kingdom? What if the invitation for a decade is to um, is is to build your character and take a low seat and not concentrate on um, building a kingdom? And I remember going, that just can't be right. Like I felt already felt so behind, yes. and and I'm like, if I don't do it now, it's never gonna happen. Yes. Like. And I, I remember the reaction. I'm sitting there processing all of that. And and um, and one of the things that rose in me is, okay, so if I take the invitation to that and I spend a decade um, doing that, what what happens if I die at the end of those 10 years? Mm. I don't have anything to show for it. Like, what, what have I done? And um, it was an honest question. And... And God met me in that place, and he, he said, go with that. He said, go with that. What does happen? Play it out. And so I started to think about it. And, and I started, what he brought me to was my family. And what I, what I realized was, okay, I could spend the next decade trying to build a kingdom. But if my character is not there, and, and I blow it up, um, what am I going to be remembered for? And if I spend a decade working on my character and my kids in 10 years, if I passed away, if they could say, you know what? My dad didn't do much, but every year of his life, he became a better man and he loved me more. And, um, and I know I'm loved by my dad and that's worth it. I'm in for that. And so, so that was the moment I said, yeah, I'm, I'm in for that. And, and man, the fruit of that. So I was 33 and I'm 42 now. So September, I'll be 43. And, um, and it's, it's worlds apart, guys. And, it, and it's been so worth it. And, I, and I'm actually, I want to sign up for another decade. Um, <laughs> Because that's what it's all about, and um, and I'm not saying that I that I've done it well or perfect. I'm bumbling and I'm stumbling along, but um, but my kids know they're loved, and and knowing that more and more each year. So. 
Yeah, for me, um, when I rewind the clock 13 years ago, I guess what I remember is above the waterline, things looked really well and I was really proud. Um, I really did. I love God, but but things started misfiring in my life. Um, If I was really honest and I was afraid to be honest, I was really, really exhausted from keeping it all going. And I got tired of that. And so when we were at Bart's Ranch, there was these questions about what if you can sell the bill of goods? It sucks. <laughs> and then what if, like, this passage that comes to mind is uh, in the message translation, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but Eugene Peterson writes it's like, get away with me and recover your life. I'll put no ill-fitting thing on you. And so we were staring at each other like, I, I want some of that. How do I get that? Because what I'm doing, I'm not getting that. So if this narrow road stand at the junction and look, if there actually is an ancient path that leads to life and it doesn't look like what we're doing, then let's go ask some older guys who love God and bump their heads too, but that can help us find a sustainable life in God. And I think what's changed and transformed in my life is that I am a son and I've learned to receive love. I'm learning to receive love. And and then in that, I can find rest. I can find a sustainable way to live my life. And these guys have helped make that possible as well. Yeah, a decade ago, um, like like you are in above the waterline, things looked pretty good. Like I put on a good show. Uh, but the reality was below the waterline, um, I knew I was a fake in the fog and was trying desperately to hold it together. And I felt really behind. Like I just, in every category of my life, I just felt like, man, I'm behind, even though I think most of my peers thought I was ahead. And (laughs) so the first one at Bart's Ranch, like to show you how out of whack my priorities were, like I left that halfway through the weekend to go to some important business meeting in New York City. Um, like I left Saturday night and missed the last day. And like the, the journey that God had to take me on after that, um, like a big business failure, like all these things that he did just to get my attention. Like I, I wish I had actually grabbed on then at that first one. It would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. Um, sitting here now a decade later, having walked in this and lived in this, I think I was out for a run this afternoon with with, uh, with Aaron, and I was just commenting to him that I don't feel behind anymore. 
like just like there's a settledness in who I am and where God has me. Um, where to be honest, like above the waterline, things are way less impressive now than they were a decade ago. But below the waterline, um, there's a settledness that I'm just incredibly grateful for. And I think that's the, there's no shortcuts to that. Like the, the invitation that's in front of you guys is to engage in something that is far beyond this weekend. And um, yeah, my encouragement would be to, unlike me, to really dive in and grab what's being said in front of you now. Guys, what, I, what I'm hoping your heart can receive in that is a curious possibility to the question of what if. That's the question. What if? What if there's another way? And what if that way is pursuing us? And hopefully you heard, like in Aaron, this isn't be a good man. We, we do hard well. We're good at hard things. But kingdom is impossible. Possible. That's the easy yoke. That's the with God life, the supernatural life. It's becoming a son. This isn't another version of be a good man. We talk about character over kingdom. What if taking the path of rather than building your kingdom, it's to allow God to build your character. That's not simply morality, but the idea of inviting God to heal, restore, and mature the whole man. The, the original word for integrity, it's like used to describe wood without knots, solid through and through. The goal is wholehearted masculinity living in real time union with God, like grafted into the supernatural life. What if there is a path and it's paradox? In the build, you have to excavate. And that the low seat of the table is actually an invitation to become a king. God's way and God's time. It's really four objectives. It comes down to four things that we want to offer to you and we want to participate with you as we walk with God as a fellowship. The first is to exhale, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. It takes time to detox. We want to create a father-centered atmosphere to breathe. It's not to let your guard down. We are at war, but it is room. God's creating room for you to breathe. Secondly, we want to encounter God. It's not about the teaching. It's not about the tips and techniques, as Pablo said, that he wanted to get. Right? We all want that. Right? What we need is God, because that's what we take with us. And we want an encounter with God, and that's what we want to pray for. And that's what's available, supernatural life. And so we're after an encounter that we can't arrange for, but we can sure uh, make ourselves available. The third is reorientation. A lot of these categories are familiar to you, but the hope is to go deeper and to introduce potentially a few more. But we want to risk the orientation of this question of what if. What if there's a narrow way? What if it's character over kingdom? What if it's excavating before building? What if you're not alone? And there are a few. And what if the offer is really, really light? This weekend is an invitation to a decade.
It's just Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. And my son who hears me, welcome me in and we'll feast together. Right? This is an invitation. The best things in life aren't cheap. They're not quick. They're not easy. They're not convenient. But they are worth it. And they are participatory. And they begin with God's initiative and our response. All of this is a question mark and an invitation of would you be willing, like Aaron and Alex and John and Pablo and so many of these facilitators, would you be willing to give it a decade? It's your choice. And it's a choice we honor you with. And it's okay if you don't say yes. Because not everybody does. But it's your choice, and we make it available to you. One of the alumni at Arts Ranch, the second intensive, three years after the intensive, his wife wrote a letter, and, he said, and she said, you know what happened? Eric got his smile back. You can get your smile back. You really can. There's a lot of joy if you want it. You're safe, you're loved, we're students, and we're sons. What is it that you want? God, it's a lot, and it's a big shift. Father, I just confess, just to find that here to get out of the world and the entanglements, oh, and all the unfinished in us and the unfinished in our kingdom. Let's confess, we come as unfinished men, but we come with a promise of the possibility that you are who you say you are, that you are the hero and author of this story, that it begins with you. This was your idea. This is what you had in the beginning of time before all time, that you have set within us this heart to become powerful, that you know the war that's set against us, and that you are making a path for us to find life and have it to the full. We give you this mission. We ask, Spirit of the living God, we want the supernatural life. We want the supernatural life. Would you help us open our hearts to you and just orient to this question of where are you, son? Where are you? A father coming, looking for his son, just to know where you are. And in that place, in the man you are today, what would it take to open your heart, your masculine heart to God for what he has ahead? Spirit of God, would you come and shepherd this time for your purposes to prevail? Friends, that's a lot. It was not intended to simply be one portion or in one sitting, but the hope is that you will immerse yourself in these ideas, in these stories, in this introductory message, and you would give it some time. You would give it honest consideration. You would allow God to speak, to search your heart, to locate you in the many parts of you.
I'm curious, before we turn a corner, what are the questions that are surfacing? Take a few minutes before you go anywhere else and jot them down from that teaching, from that first session of the intensive. What questions primarily surface in your heart? And then secondly, notice the predominant emotion or emotions that come up. They may be fatigue, they may be excitement, they may be dread, they may be disqualification, they may be curiosity, they may be happiness and expectancy, they may be sorrow or grief or even anger. But it's very important to tune in Your soul has a geography, it has a condition, it has a atmosphere, and there are emotions that are meant to be indicators for where God wants to meet you here. And so I'd invite you also, find the questions, but then also ask God about the predominant emotions that are surfacing for you from this teaching. And in light of that, I want to invite some taking action steps for the weeks ahead. The first, there's some counsel that I'll share it with you all. Much of this first session correlates with Becoming a King, chapter one of the book and session one of the video series and the study guide. You can get the study guide and video series all at becomingaking.com launch team. It's forward slash launch team, all that for free. You can check it out there. But I invite you, if you want to unpack some of these ideas, explore them deeper, and even chase the further recommendations in the further excavation section, there's movies, there's blogs, um, there's recommendations of other readings. You can dive deep as you unpack this content and marinate on it over time. And final, for many of you, It's been a long time since you dove into some of the earlier blogs and podcasts that become good soil, but all of that was born out of the process of shepherding men through this message over years and into a decade. Because as you heard from the teaching, the invitation is a decade. If it's been quite a while since you journeyed through those, I would encourage you to set a basic schedule of moving through the Become Good Soil blogs and podcasts so that you can continue to saturate yourself, immerse yourself in these big ideas and allow your father to shepherd you in to the next portion. Friends, it's an honor to invite you into the sacred circle. And I very much look forward to our next session, which will be coming very soon. As always, we will conclude this Become Good Soil podcast episode with 60 seconds of pause. And so in that pause, we'll invite the Holy Spirit to lead you back to my earlier question to you in this of what are the questions surfacing as you listen to this content and what emotions, what predominant emotions surface in your heart? Linger for 60 seconds and begin that process while you have this precious moment to get in touch with your soul and see what God wants to surface.